Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church. I'm here with Tyler Dravitz, who's the executive pastor at Ridgeline and the president of MyXP. Uh, if you've been listening to From the Field, uh, you know that we have had hopes to discuss lots of different areas of ministry. But because of this situation that we all find ourselves in with COVID and sheltering in place and not being able to gather physically, much of what we hope to discuss in the future is just currently not very helpful or practical to us. So we're trying to lean into this time that we're in and uh, learn the lessons uh, that we can during this season. So this week, Tyler, one of the things you and I have been talking a lot about is just how, broadly speaking, uh, pastors tend to find themselves in one of two positions right now. Okay. You have um, some pastors on the one hand who have maybe a larger existing church and they have uh, a staff of various sizes, but there's these roles that people are being paid to do. And it is, uh, in some cases, virtually impossible for some of these roles to happen, at least in the same way. Yeah. So whether it's like worship or children's ministry, small group, like every, every, there's just all of these staff members that, that I think are probably seeing the writing on the wall and wondering like, I don't see a place for me in this new model right now. (laughs) Sure. And pastors that are seeing that and dealing with the weight of that. But then on the other hand, you have people like us who it's just you and I here staff wise right now. Um, you're only part-time with us, um, in that you all run my XP as your full-time job and then slave away in all of your free time for fun, uh, with us. Yes, exactly. But you have people like us who are swamped that are largely, you know, you keep hearing all of this about like the slowdown and all of this free time that mm-hmm. exists in the world. And mm. I choose to believe by faith that someone is experiencing that. <laughs> I can say it's not you and me. No, nope. I can also say it's not my wife as she's okay. homeschooling. Sure. Um, but <clears throat> we have people like us who are having to, to do the same ministry essentially, but learn to do it by completely different means. Okay. And so, um, what we all share in common, regardless of which end of the spectrum we find ourselves in is we're being forced to look at ministry through what feels like an entirely different lens. And while that can be uh, very overwhelming, um, and it's going to be very overwhelming at times, we also have an opportunity to be flexible and to adjust and to still learn how to do faithful and fruitful ministry, even in this super weird season. Yeah. So to that end, uh, last week, I think it was last week, you and I were privileged to sit in on a conference call with uh, Larry Osborne, yep. who just at the outset, we just need to acknowledge that we are pretty significant fanboys of. Total fanboys. He, he is our Yoda at That's this right. point. 100%. Um, so, uh, but and he, can we just say, like, and he pastors like a huge church mm-hmm. and influences people around the world. And we were one of like maybe 20 people on a Zoom call just because, like, uh, you can uh, subscribe to his email mm-hmm. thing. And I got an email that said the first 20 people to reply can get on a Zoom with me. And it wasn't pre recorded yeah. or predetermined, it was literally us with him and a few other people. And uh, his, I think uh, there's a lot of reasons that people choose to fanboy pastors. Mm -hmm. And I think more than anything, I've never seen another pastor make himself so readily accessible to anyone who's interested in learning. Right. And I think he was doing, he did multiple rounds that day of that call. Yeah, because the first one filled up. Yeah. The first one filled up, that had 35. And then uh, the second one he did was 20. And I think it was those two. Yeah, but just the sheer fact that he didn't try to get 1,000 pastors on that call and kept... (laughs) I just think that's great (laughs) because it did just make it much more accessible. Anyways, he covered a lot of great ground in that, but he asked this question that we've spent a lot of time thinking about. Yeah. And uh, it was a great question. And he said, one of the ways that we can thrive 
in this season and learned to take advantage of what is a genuine opportunity in front of us is to answer the question, what can we do now that we couldn't do then? Yeah. Um, there are a great number of things that occupy an immense amount of time in ministry that just can't happen right now because sure. of the restrictions that are in sure. place. So as a result, you are f- left with this like bucket of energy and focus and time that you can either, I guess, just watch Netflix more or, um, but <laughs> I if mean, I'm doing that too. Yeah, that too. But yeah. if you're getting paid to do a job, you need yep. to do that job well mm-hmm. as well. So so let's talk a little bit about, we're going to jump into it, some examples for how we've tried to um, answer that question, some ways that we've implemented some of these things, and then we're going to end with a few questions to help people think through how they can press into this sure. for their own context. Make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that as you think through this question for yourself, uh, like you said, Ren, we're going to give a few examples. I think it's so important that you really wrestle with it because he originally said, I think that's one of those those things that you hear that you're like, oh yeah, cool. And then you move on. And I feel like that question haunted me from the moment he said it, yeah. like through the next couple of days to really sit and think about like, uh, I think... I think, uh, you know, surely we've all read the news article or the, you know, uh, Christian blog post about like, view this as a blessing instead of a curse. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is something that if you don't like really wrestle with, Mm -hmm. it's going to feel more like a platitude, Mm -hmm. you know, because I think that, well, you know, I mean, we're supposed to count it all joy. Mm -hmm. And so that's accurate. But if you don't sit and really uh, think about like, how do I work to turn this situation into something that can be a blessing to others, a blessing to our church, a blessing Mm -hmm. to ourselves. There's just like, I think it's just going to kind of fall on deaf ears Mm -hmm. until you really consider your own situation and consider your own uh, context and mm-hmm. figure out how that applies. Yeah, and I, I I know this is not what we're gonna primarily talk about today. I also think it's important to stop trying to frame this as a blessing. Sure. Because it's not. <laughs> it sucks. No. And but I yeah. think I think and this is I think what Larry's point was on the call the other day was that it is an opportunity. Yes. Um it like and some opportunities suck. Like some <laughs> good can still come out of them. Yes. But it does I think trying to I don't know why Christians insist on making everything a gift and everything a blessing. Yeah. Um even when Paul says, I count it all joy, he didn't say this is a blessing. Sure. And this is fun. Sure. Um but I think being honest about what we have in front of us is an opportunity. Absolutely. So if you're hating life and ministry right now and it's really hard for me for welcome. you, welcome. <laughs> That's Okay yeah. and understandable, and there is an opportunity in this. So yep. again, the question was, which we sat down with the whiteboard the other day, which I really think everyone should do, what can we do now that we couldn't do then? And so I think one of the first things that we instituted um, due to the fact that it was so abundantly clear right away how um, overwhelmed emotionally people were by yeah. the uncertainty of this whole thing that that I thought what people need is regular, uh, something to regularly stabilize and anchor their faith yeah. every single day. And so we started doing um, what we call the Ridgeline Daily Feed, mm-hmm. which I think we've probably mentioned on here before, but yep. it's a short, um, on average, about five-minute daily devotional podcast that I do. Yeah, um, I uh, record about one a day, so I sit down, I write them up, so I don't just ramble for five minutes. Sure, They flow largely out of my own personal devotional time. In the morning, whatever sticks with me, whatever ministers to me, I then write into a five-minute encouragement, record with GarageBand, <clears throat> and then we post 
post that in our regular Facebook feed. Sure. Um, and so you've listened to some of those. Yep. Um, I think we've gotten good feedback about them. Yeah. What have you felt in them, experienced with them? They've been helpful for you. Yeah. I mean, I think that more than anything, it's just helpful to, uh, I think that's a great example of something that I know based on comments on Facebook and things like that, other people in our church are listening to. And I think that one of the things I've found really important through this season is understanding uh, some shared experiences that other people are having like at roughly good. the same time. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, there's a lot of churches doing a lot of different things in, in regards to their like live stream. Mm-hmm. And so, um, uh, some people are pre-recording. I know some churches are like, you know, pastors have somehow figured out how to write like eight sermons. They record them all at mm-hmm. once. Uh, maybe a, a larger church has let them use some sort of recording mm-hmm. facilities. That's great. Mm-hmm. I think for us in our church, what was most meaningful was the shared experience that it happened at the same time, right. uh, you're doing text message Q&A. So people uh, are hearing the answer to the question they just texted in. And right. so, again, no criticism of another way, but that's us determining what works for us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the Ridgeline Daily Feed is a helpful thing. It comes out daily. Mm-hmm. Um, the likelihood a lot of people are listening it to the morning is, mm-hmm. is the same. So it's not um, shared at that very moment. But just to know that our hearts and minds are thinking about a similar thing led by you, our pastor, has been... Uh, a blessing for us. Mm-hmm. I think uh, from a mechanic standpoint, um, one, I think when you listen to something like a podcast, I know um, uh, it's really important to remove distraction. And on a podcast, the biggest distraction is the audio quality. Yeah. And so um, I think, uh, so for people who are curious, um, you're utilizing a microphone called a Blue Yeti. If you look it up in Amazon, you can do that. Um, you actually don't need any sort of USB interface because it plugs right into your computer and then just GarageBand. I yep. know uh, sometimes people spend a lot of money on different um, recording capturing softwares and GarageBand comes free with your Mac and uh, works out great. Um, and then as far as our podcast host, uh, our website is built on Squarespace. They will host your uh, podcast as a part of the fee you already pay. And it takes, you know, from the time you record it, uh, obviously there's some work that goes into like writing the content each day. Uh, you as a pastor are now like uh, coming up with more content. And so there's some, you know, extra work that goes into that. But the, the mechanics from the time you hit record till the time it's ready to go live, what are we talking about? I mean... It, I think for me, it's 10 minutes maximum. Sure. Um, I think if, you, if you're if you not super comfortable reading in a natural manner or you have a tendency to trip over your words while reading out loud, it might take a little bit longer and a sure. few takes. Um, during Holy Week, I also set my iPhone up and captured video of just me recording it as yeah. well. Um, and we posted that uh, for our church. I don't do, I'm not doing that on a regular basis just because then I have to be like, you do have the opportunity with GarageBand, like if you trip over where you can stop, delete your screw up, and then just start right where you were. Yeah. When it's on video, it's like, God, I gotta do this whole thing again. <laughs> sure. So that I, I found was taking me more time. Okay. So I'm just sticking with the audio piece sure. um, right now because that's also what gets the most traction with people yep. uh, as well. Great. I will say on the live stream, just yeah. back to that yeah, real yeah. quick, um, that the another reason that, like, so right for people that aren't f- super familiar with where we are, we meet in a school, mm-hmm. uh, a college uh, campus here in Salt Lake, and then literally like, what, two months before this happened, a month before this happened, yeah, we month, moved yeah. into a ministry center that yep. houses our offices and has a space downstairs for us to be able to do prayer meetings and trainings, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So just before that, God had provided this space where we have the ability to, to, to capture a live stream and to be able to do it. I will say, 
if, if I was in a position where, like, if we didn't have this space and my option were there was a church that was going to allow me to come in and to capture pre-recorded messages yeah. or I had to live stream from my bedroom, yeah. that would push me more toward sure. wanting to capture ahead of time. Absolutely. So I just think... I think, again, anybody that knows our hearts knows that we are really not trying to push any one model or one means. What is the most important is understanding your context and situation. Um, but yeah, if I was having to live stream a sermon from my bedroom and, or living room, the way I see some people having sure. to, like, that's tough. Yeah. It would not be ideal. And if I had another opportunity, I might take it. Sure. So anyways, the Ridgeline Daily Feed uh, has been great for us. Um, if you just subscribe, if you want to listen to one of those, if you just subscribe to our regular teaching podcast, mm-hmm. we feed that through the same stream. Yep. Um, and that's the best people for, to, for pe- best way for people to be able to check that out. But what's another uh, op- uh, opportunity that we've seized through this? Yeah, I think one of the things uh, we got a request for right away was somebody was looking for like old school church directory mm-hmm. like I remember you used to go in and pose with your family oh, it was yeah, a picture was directory awful. it was it was it was the worst uh, because it would come out like once every six years and then you'd move and so it would be wrong uh, it was prior to email addresses and all of that but we did have a good number of requests coming in for people's information and it's 2020 and like every church might handle that differently uh, unless I have your permission nobody gets your email or phone yeah. number I think the quickest way to abuse the trust that somebody has given uh, it takes a lot of courage for someone to trust you with their information and then you go start farming it out I don't think that's a good call mm-hmm. uh, even in right now I think uh, some things have gotten a lot looser because of what we're going through but I think that it's important to recognize we're going to go back to a place where people might not appreciate that you like broadcast their information mm-hmm. and so then we were stuck with the problem of of like, well, we want people to be able to connect. Um, I don't want which to ultimately have... is what the, the question about wanting a directory. Yeah, that was absolutely. the hard people wanted yeah. to not just be able to. And I think that's an important point. People don't just want to be or need to be connected to you and I as right. the pastors of this church. They totally. need to have a means to connect with one another. Totally. I mean, the question that came in the heart was like, I want to send people daily encouragements. Can I get a directory. Yeah. And so that was the heart behind it. The problem is that just like, even if the motive is great, you can't always meet the need. Totally. Um, but that did put us in a place where we spent some time talking and thinking about how do we solve this? Because I also can't, you know, have another part-time job of like, you know, having you ask for someone information. Mm-hmm. I'm the mid go between, I get their permission. Then I give it back. Like that yeah. would be a full-time job right now. Yeah. You already have too many of those. Yeah, for sure. And so I think what, um, we came up to do was we just created a private Facebook group for those people who call Ridgeline home. It's called the Ridgeline church family, uh, group. Um, and, uh, what I did was I was able to go through and we've got a, a list of, uh, in the planning center tool that we use, there's a list, uh, just titled people who call Ridgeline home. They're the people who come and participate. And we've got a bunch of criteria we might go through at some point as to what that constitutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, we've got that list. And so I was able to add anyone that I was friends with to the group directly. Uh, You have to be friends with someone to add them to the group. And so I did that. Uh, One of the things I found interesting was I would have told you I was friends with like everyone in our church on Mm -hmm. Facebook and not necessarily the case. Totally. And so then what we did was we used a text messaging service that can go out to that same 
that same uh, list group from Planning Center. And I just sent the link that, you know, invited people to click the link and ask to join the group. But we were really clear with people. It was just for those who called Ridgeline Home. Uh, you have to be approved to be added to the group. Um, and I even added a questionnaire recently of like, do you call Ridgeline your church home? Because we were getting some requests from uh, maybe other ministry leaders that were just curious about the group. Or we were getting requests from uh, people that we know around the country who, you know, were kind of interested as well. But I think we found it important to just have it be our church family. Mm-hmm. And so uh, set that up. And and genuinely, I wasn't sure if anyone would reply to the request. I mm-hmm. feel like, I don't know, there's always a request on Facebook to do something. I wasn't sure that it would get any use at all. And uh, what we have found is that uh, the large majority of our church family has like joined the group and is pretty active in the group, totally. uh, depending on the content, of course. But people participate regularly. They respond. They are encouraging one another. Uh, great. Uh, what are some of the values that you've seen from that group? I mean, I think one thing we have tried to do, uh, not necessarily as an incentive, but but I think we, uh, we have produced some content that is just for our church, Yeah. which, um, you know, I think my bent in the past has wanted to be want to use the content that we're creating as a church to be able to like put on the internet for the world. Yeah. And I think we've really tried to shift away from that to a large degree sure. and really, really restrict ourselves. And if God uses it beyond, that's fine, but to really restrict ourselves to how do we care for our church? Right Absolutely. Now. So um, there has been some content that we've put on there just for them. I think the thing that I do love seeing the most is um, the interaction that takes place that doesn't have anything to do with me or you sure. being the ones who start it. Yeah. But someone posts something, whether it's encouraging or in need, and then seeing, I mean, like we, we will, someday we'll talk more about meetups, but uh, our friend Didi had the idea to use the Nike running app to do a challenge. And so I think we have like 35 people doing this like yes. running challenge. How yes. are you doing in that? How am I doing? Yeah. Listen, don't as, worry about as it. As of this morning, I sit in first place. I don't know that that will be true oh, listen, as of tonight. So, Oscar, if you're listening, I need you to put Pastor Ryan to shame today. And Oscar uh, is a like a 20-year-old soldier that just runs, I think, for the U.S. <laughs> sure. That's yeah, what he's just, doing. Just, yeah. Yeah. At his job, he gets like rewarded for going that's for right. a run. So, Anyways, um, lots of cool ways yeah, that we've yeah. seen that being used for. And um, I think there is a security for people in knowing that, and a specialness, you know, I do think that the reason that that people want to be a part of a local church is to feel like they're a part of something, a special family that's just about, it's not about everybody, it's just about them. Yep. And I think that this feels like this is just us. Yeah, and absolutely. we like that. Absolutely. We also put a post in there that allows people to let us know if they have any needs. Yeah. And I think we gave both options. So one, they could email me directly or reach out to me. Most of the people in our church have my phone number. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I, what I know is that if someone in our church posted a need, whether it be a financial need or food or something else, uh, you know, help getting groceries, things like that, I think that they would be overwhelmed with the response, uh, especially because it's just our church family mm-hmm. in there. Um, I think we've talked about it a lot and, you know, and we, and people have to be in a place where they're willing to ask for help. Mm-hmm. And so that's not populated with tons of requests other than to say a lot of people loved the post, liked the post, commented on the post. Um, and I think that, uh, um, one thing, it's uh, for a lot of people, it's still a little early, uh, but I think as this kind of continues on, uh, the needs are going to continue to grow over time. Totally. And and now they have a platform with which to communicate those. Yeah. This one's uh, a little bit more simple and probably shorter to discuss, but um, 
we've just been, we have been doing a lot of checking in via just text and phone calls. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think we are, so we have posts like that that we yeah. put up and there's a easy means for people to schedule a zoom with me to reach out when yep. they, and I've been super clear about it, it could be for anything. You just want to catch up. Yep. You're having a hard time. You want prayer. We're super, super accessible. And what I see is that people are pretty reticent to ask for help. Yeah. Um, and I think one way to look at that as well, if people need it, you know, bad enough, then they need to reach out. Um, I personally would argue that's not the greatest degree of shepherding. Sure. Um, and so I think we try to check in. This has there hasn't been a a super systematic means of it yet where we're like working our way through the entire database. But at like one, one week I called all of our medical professionals to check mm-hmm. in with them because they're all feeling very overwhelmed and we have a big medical community here in Salt yep. Lake. Um, one day I just worked through everyone that had sent in a prayer request via text message, just texted them to check in and see how they're doing. Some of those were sh- very short exchanges. Sure. Uh, some of them were longer and did lead to phone calls. Um, but what I have found is every, I think every single person um, has responded with, thank you so much for checking in. It means a lot. Sure. And I think we can't underestimate. I, I don't even care what means you use to do it. Yeah. It is meaningful to people to know that they were on your mind and that you cared enough to contact them sure. in this time. Yeah. And I think even for myself, so uh, I have another full-time job outside of this. And so I don't have uh, kind of the same time dedication to Ridgeline that you do. Right. And so I've worked really hard to uh, just be really sensitive to like, so as I work through the prayer request, sending people text messages, letting them know, like, um, I, I think uh, one of the things I know that people have found helpful is I like to text people like after I've prayed for them mm-hmm. versus like, hey, I'll be praying for you this week. I think that sometimes we say that and don't do it. And yeah. I think even for myself, one, I think people are encouraged to know it's happened. Yeah. And two, uh, the accountability is not that I've made that commitment and then forget about it or get too busy or something like that. Right. But it, it just happened, I think. Um, and then also just, you know, trying to pay attention, whether it be on Facebook or through prayer requests or some of those types of things, like uh, who, like who could use some encouragement and who could use some reaching out to and doing my best uh, with the time that I have to be able to commit to do that as well. Yeah, that's good. What's next? Uh, great. So uh, uh, we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before, but uh, we've got a weekly kind of get together called The Hub, uh, which is where we use uh, Zoom in order to kind of orchestrate a weekly get together. It's on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Uh, for our church family. Uh, it started off as our monthly prayer, uh, but we just recognize that for some people, a prayer meeting or group prayer in that way is a little bit intimidating. And we still wanted to provide some sort of like midweek connection point for people to just like check in and see how it's going. And so uh, we've talked about this, but um, if you're utilizing Zoom, which you likely are, uh, you can enable a feature called breakout rooms, Mm -hmm. which allows us to kind of keep the same groups of people together from a administrative standpoint. uh, It takes a few minutes. So right now we sign onto the Zoom uh, and you talk for, I don't know, somewhere between five and seven minutes. Until I get the text from you that says (laughs) you're good to go. (laughs) Yeah, well, I am frantically. And because we we saw the value in keeping some of the groups together, uh, just from week to week, um, and, uh, you know, building some relationships that way. And so there is a little bit of, uh, quick admin work that goes to resorting people back into their same groups. Um, but I think that that's been a a huge blessing. I know even to me, uh, to get to know some people in our church that I didn't know as well before. And, uh, I look forward now each week to checking in with those people. Mm -hmm. I love, I think just on the personal front, 
I like, I do like getting to talk with basically what is like my small group of people in that breakout room. I really, for some reason, one of the most blessed moments of the week for me is at the beginning and the end when Mm. we're all on together. Yeah. Because there is just something that is really, this is such an isolating time. Even if you're staying connected to friends, it's easy to feel like, well, it's just me and the three people I'm quarantined with or the two people I talk with regularly during the week. And you forget like, well, there's a bunch of us that are together in this. And so I really like that. I think another thing that would probably be good for you to talk a little bit about is um, the Zoom bombing thing. Oh, yeah. That has been happening. So now we're having to use the waiting room. Yeah. Um, So talk a little bit about how to not have uh, your prayer meeting bombed with pornography. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the best way uh, there's ways to add passwords. I think what's hard is the best kind of dissemination of information for us is on the Internet. And obviously people can then see the links on the internet. Right. Um, and so what we're doing is we just enabled the waiting room. That's the most surefire way of knowing who you've added into your uh, Zoom meeting and who you haven't. And I've enabled those like even on one person uh, Zooms that I'm having through my XP now. I just um, I'm really disappointed that that's the thing that's happening. But I mm-hmm. even have a church that we support. Um, their prayer meeting was horribly interrupted by one of these Zoom bombs. And I saw a pastor friend that happened to them on their Easter uh, yeah. Yeah. So not great. Yeah. Um, and so please, uh, again, uh, Google it. I know that uh, Zoom has even come out with uh, an, an update. And so now at the bottom, there's a security button and you can enable that waiting room right there. You can do a few other things right there. You can uh, change who has the ability to share. So for example, on our hub, no one's sharing their screen. So I would probably just turn off that feature just yeah. to avoid any sort of issue like that. Uh, and so make sure that you're protecting that because it's happening. Uh, it's not just happening like to few people. It seems like it's happening a lot. And yeah. I don't know the details as to what Zoom is doing to fix that, but hopefully they get on top of it. Uh, I saw that a lot of Zoom usernames and passwords were for sale on the black internet or dark and whatever it's called and, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So uh, there's that. I also think, um, why don't you talk a little bit, uh, I know that we're doing it on Sunday morning, but then also afterwards, but where the idea for the lobby came from. Yeah, so we're basically doing we're using Zoom in the same way. I mean, I think pastorally, if you're if you're like so for me, I stand out in front uh, of our Sunday morning gathering space to greet people as they come in, which really I I, I underestimated until experiencing this how meaningful that was for me and people to sure. feel connected to the overarching body of our church. Yeah, and that I had even if it was just a brief like. 30 second interaction was there was still a touch point built in every week with mm-hmm. people and that's gone. Yeah. And, um, I think we're going to do an episode next week about the difficulty of this phrase we keep hearing, which is preaching to an empty room, sure. which if you preach, you know that immediately what that means and how, how awful it is. But, but one of the isolating things right now is just feeling that you stand in front of a camera into a largely empty room and you don't see the faces, you don't hear the voices, you don't experience the lives of the people that you're ministering to. Sure. So we basically tried to digitally recreate what is the quote unquote lobby experience before yep. and after. So we have the same Zoom link that is live yep. um, for people to come on 30 minutes prior to the live stream and then indefinitely after, basically yep. we turn it off when the last person or last two people. Hopefully there's not one person on there all alone uh, at the very end. Um, but it was great. We did it for the first time last week and 
yeah, I got to talk to 20 people before I got up to do the live stream and then reconnect with another 15 to 20 afterwards, which was awesome. Sure. And what I love about that, so we're also doing that at the end of the hub. And what I love about that is the idea came from a couple of our people who had signed on and, uh, you know, you, you know, you pray to close us at the end of the hub and, um, then we just sort of like sign off and, um, and it, it just felt like it wasn't quite done. And so they had just said it would be nice. That, like it's unmoderated. It's, you know, everyone kind of talks over everyone else. It's like mm-hmm. awkward a little bit. Um, but it does give people just an ability to catch up in a much sort of less formal, less uh, agenda environment. Everyone kind of holds their kids up and everyone talks about how cute they are and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I think um, making sure uh, through this time, thinking about those things that you can um, do now that you couldn't do then, uh, listening to the ideas of your people. Because totally. I think that that was one of those things that we got a text message right after a hub and it was like, what a brilliant idea. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, we've only done it a few times but people have really enjoyed it totally so lastly uh this was a big one for us on sunday just Mm -hmm. by way of the response that we got from people but you had the idea i want you to talk about of just delivering uh crispy cream donuts Mm -hmm. to basically everyone from our church that lives in the salt lake valley yeah yeah um i think this came from that like i said this question was haunting me a little bit and i was just really stuck on the fact that uh, one of the things that larry had said was just coming up with a way to make Easter feel special. And if you have like even checked out our uh, live stream feed at all, uh, we uh, are not like an overly produced kind of scenario. We've got like one camera shot uh, in general. We don't have someone who like their expertise and passion is in all that like live production stuff. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, we, we've done what we can with what we have. Yep. Uh, we also made the decision not to spend a fortune on live streaming equipment and things like that. And so we did our best to use the thing Things that were uh, accessible to us at the time. And so um, I, I just couldn't come up with a way that we were going to do that. And we had a couple of ideas that didn't go well. And I just I just was like, how can we make Sunday feel special? And, and on Sunday mornings, you do one thing that is unique in this season, whereas bef- when we're at the school, yeah. you spend like five hours pre-service problem solving. Yes. And you don't have to do that right, right. now. Exactly. And so you have more time. We don't have volunteers. You know, we don't have like 30 volunteers that are all there early. So right. there, that was one place where you did see like there is time yeah, in absolutely. this space. Well, and I've even noticed, I mean, typically um, I'm at the, you know, the school by about seven or shortly thereafter. And, you know, now, I mean, you come here and prep and I get the notification on my phone that you've turned off the alarm at like 630 and I show up like at eight and it just has been weird. So I've been aware of that extra time that's been available. And so we knew that there was time and I just started thinking through, um, you know, typically there's something fun or special for uh, Easter morning breakfast or something like that. And just recognizing there's a lot of people who aren't interested in like going out and shopping right now mm-hmm. and just wondered, uh, I felt like uh, where we typically wouldn't do that on an Easter Sunday because people would have brunch plans and all of those kind of right. things. I felt like the average person might be missing that mm-hmm. kind of like specialness about their Easter Sunday morning. Totally. And so, um, like, how do you solve that? But with food. Yeah. And so uh, really, I mean, I think I sent you a text message on Thursday afternoon that said, what if we delivered 
donuts to everyone who calls Ridgeline home. Mm-hmm. And you, your response was, well, if it can be pulled off, it's a good idea. Yeah. And so then I just started working on what does mm-hmm. that look like? Uh, came up with a team of people that uh, we asked to be a part of the delivery. Uh, it was, you know, tech, Technically, you know, I had to do an export of that list from our uh, database. I had to import it into Google Maps. There's a lot of Googling that took place mm-hmm. to figure out how do I come up with digestible like uh, groups of people that, and, and also how do we make sure that no one is left out, and you know, all of those kind of considerations. And so it, there was a few hours of time invested in figuring out how do we solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then once you know the steam picked up, um, I also reached out to Krispy Kreme and just asked them, "Hey, we want to." get, you know, X number dozen of donuts, um, you know, uh, what would that cost? I think uh, if you don't typically do that, if you just go and uh, pay it like what you should, uh, we got to pay less than half price by mm-hmm. just the calling and asking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't beg. I didn't uh, do a sob story. I said, I'm from a church. I want to order this many. Like, what kind of deal can you make us? And I would recommend you do that always because you just never know who's on the other end. Yeah. Uh, this particular Krispy Kreme, uh, the person responded and said, well, because you're a Christian, Christian church, we're going to be able to do this. And mm-hmm. so that's clearly a standard they have there. I don't yeah. know that that's true for all Krispy Kreme, but it yeah. is for ours. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we got the donuts set up and ready to go. I checked in a couple of times on that. And then I had everyone meet me. Uh, and my kind of idea was it's going to take everyone about 90 minutes to do all their deliveries. Uh, we didn't have anything fancy. And so on like regular mailing labels, I I printed our logo on one yeah. and on another one I said like, you know, we miss being all together. Happy Easter. Just so that people didn't think that randos had yeah. put donuts. On. It seems right. like a weird thing right yeah. now uh, to take food you don't know about. Um, and then we just had everybody drop them yeah. off and, and, and go. And the two things that I thought that I loved the most, one is, believe it or not, it's one of the most um, one of the things we don't, we've gotten the most overwhelming amount of feedback about right. from people that were just like it, which I think the lesson in that is when people are feeling as uncertain as they are right now mm-hmm. and as emotionally exposed as they are right now, the smallest amount of care makes the biggest difference. Yep. So it's donuts. Yeah. Literally anyone could have had them door dashed sure. that same morning yep. and it would not have mattered <laughs> in the same way. No. Um, so one, it blessed the people who received them that again, they were thought about, but then two, the people that actually helped with the deliveries, like the feedback from them was amazing too, because I think part of another thing that people are feeling right now, maybe specifically to their church is that they're feeling like they're, they're, uh, they're disconnected from the mission. You know, there was a time, especially when you're a church plant, you're like, it's like band of brothers and sisters and we're at war together and trying to take a hill. And now it's you and me and people don't feel in the same way that they're a part of it. And man, we had people that like, it was the first time that they'd showered in a week (laughs) and put something on that didn't have elastic in it and uh, got to help deliver donuts. And it was just super, super meaningful for them. So that was a huge, so we're, that's, so we're experimenting with other ideas on how do we recreate without just doing donuts every Sunday, but just how do we continue to learn from what's working for us and again, how do we care for the people that God's entrusted to us? Sure. And I think to your point, thinking through your situation, I think where it's most ideal. uh, So I suppose if you're a large church with a large church staff, it can be done. I also think that uh, the other thing to consider is if you're a mobile church, you have a church filled with people that are used to getting there probably at O dark 30. Mm -hmm. 
and serving real faithfully and doing everything that they can. Um, and in our case, you know, 30 to 40 people a week are required to do that. And I asked for uh, a fraction of those people. So all and all told, we had six separate delivery drivers, including mm-hmm. myself. And um, uh, I was able to ask them for 90 minutes of time commitment. And so they even slept in longer than they would have if they would have served on yeah. a Sunday and all of that. And so I think uh, I was reticent to make that ask because I was afraid that, you know, because of what people are going through, like maybe that's just some pressure I didn't want to do. And like people were like, really overwhelmed with the ability to help and just were so thankful. And like, I kept getting text messages throughout the day. Like, thank you for asking me to like wake up at six 45 and drive all over the Valley with donuts. And so it really uh, is something that I was, uh, took me off guard, how meaningful it was for people, uh, both to receive them and then to be a part of it. But I think that that's a great, uh, kind of microcosm of asking that question. We could have never done that before. We right. would have been, you know, setting up the school. We would have had all this other stuff to do. Uh, but right now we have uh, people mm-hmm. and availability. And uh, you can do so much when you mobilize people's availability. Yep. So let's just real quick before we close. Um, there really is, if you think about where these ideas came for came from for us, they're the result of us wrestling with three questions for ourselves. That again, our goal is not that everyone goes and replicates our ideas, but that you wrestle with yours. Mm-hmm. So we've got three questions. The first one, uh, and I think this is probably the most important one, is what is going to be most meaningful to people? Yeah. Um, by and large, at least from a distance, it seems like so much of the scrambling and effort and work that's happening right now is all about the Sunday content. Yep. How do we replicate the service? Which again, some of that is necess- is super necessary and important. Um, but what's interesting for me is, so I have been, you mentioned our feed and the simplicity of it, our stream yep. right now. Um, I have been pretty frustrated by it because it's like, I would describe it as it's like, largely all function, no form. Okay. Uh, in that, um, you know, we don't have anyone who specializes in lighting and video and sound and all of that stuff. So are the audio super clear on ours? It's like straight ahead. It's simple, but I mean, it was like, like I was preaching from an insane asylum, um, and that we just have a white wall and a TV and that's it. And we go, so there's no bells and whistles at all. (laughs) Nope. So I had reached out to, um, the person in our church who helps us with our design did like our like digital design, but then also interior design as well. And she sent me a bunch of ideas, none of which I had the time or capacity to actually do. And I had just said, I'm just so frustrated with the way this looks. And her response is, well, rest assured that no one thinks about it as much as you do. Mm. And that was a really corrective thing for me because I, I think that if we were to really survey the vast majority of people that comprise our churches, they don't care about the quality, the visual quality of production to the degree that we do. Mm-hmm. And so the, the I wonder if, and, and I think this is an important question for pastors to wrestle with. I'm not asserting that it is true, but I think it's an important question to wrestle with. Yeah. And that's, am I actually producing the level of like production quality for because I believe that it's most meaningful to my people, or am I trying to keep up with all the other churches? Yeah, and I think that's really something to fight against. I do not think that this is the time that well, there's really never a time, but now certainly not the time for us to be competing with how do I have a better feed than so and so? Totally, who cares? Yep. What cares is that we do the things 
that are meaningful to our people. Yep. So I think that's the first thing to think through is just what is going to be most meaningful uh, to people. Uh, what's the second question? Question number two is where do we have more time? Which is a great example of like the Sunday morning, the donut thing, like what you wrestled with, what, what would be meaningful to people? How do we make this special is another yep. way to say that. And then that was a place where we found that we had a bucket of time yeah. to be able to actually do that. Sure. And all of those people who used to serve are not busy on Sunday right. mornings anymore. Right. Uh, and then lastly is uh, where do we need to change how we do what we do? And, um, for us, I mean, that's like the lobby, the mm -hmm. zoom thing is an yep. example or prayer meeting is an example yep. of that. We've never had a weekly church wide Wednesday night touch point. Nope. Um, but it's necessary right now. So that's, yeah. that's again, like what's meaningful to people. Where do people have more time? Well, right now, apparently at 7 PM on Wednesday nights, both of those things are being hit there. Yep. Um, but we've just had to change how we do what we do. Yep. So I would just really encourage, um, I know that pastors are already scrambling, working hard to think about these things, but those are three, I think, questions that would help us focus our thoughts there. And so just as we close, I just want to continue to reiterate, because this is something we have to keep telling one another yeah. and others, uh, this, this weirdness that we're in is going to end. Yep. The season's going to end. Life will return to, to something resembling normal even if it's different, uh, there will be something that is more normal than right now. The challenge is we don't know when that's actually going to happen. And while that's super unnerving uh, for all of us, it's critical for us to uh, embrace that reality and adjust so that we can seize the opportunity, again, not the blessing of this time, but the opportunity that's in front of us so that we continue to shepherd well. So we just have to continue to labor to that end. So thanks so much for listening to From the Field. Again, we're going to be back next week with another episode on preaching to an empty room that I think will be helpful, especially for those of us that are uh, talking to cameras a lot right now. So as always, if you want to stay connected to me, uh, you can find me on Instagram at uh, Ryan Hughley. That's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. And then you can find uh, Tyler at HelloMyXP on Instagram as well or your thriving personal account. Well, yeah. So HelloMyXP, you get to say your... Well, your personal, personal one, one is just usually pictures of like Costco food. products that you yeah. like. Listen, it is <laughs> important. If you care about Costco or Disney or what <laughs> I'm eating, my Instagram at Tyler Drabitz. It's fire. Uh, at T-Y-L-E-R-D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. You will life change. That's all I'm saying. I can feel your Instagram followers blowing up right now. It's like it's, it's like just, spinning. Oh, it's gonna be so. Good. Oh, okay. All right, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next week. See you next week.